So it's Good Friday. Um, I've often uh, wrestled with, as I became a, a Christian and, and uh, began the sanctification process as Good Friday came, I was like, man, why, why, why do we call this Good Friday? You know, this this is like this is this is the the cross we're talking about tonight. This is this is what we're reflecting on. Um, we're reflecting on the crucifixion and and Jesus going to the cross for sin. And it does that does not sound good at all, um, especially as a Christian who, as we dearly dearly love Jesus, this does not sound like a Good Friday at all. But as I've come to learn, and, and even more so throughout this past week, and as I've uh, studied and, and been meditating and building this sermon, I've uh, I've come to realize just how good tonight actually is. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we could be gathered this evening. We thank you uh, for bringing us here, for giving us this opportunity to reflect on the cross. We ask that you uh, clear our minds this evening, put away the busyness of the week, uh, the events of the weekend to come. Help us to be present here. Help us to meditate on you, on the cross, and the significance of tonight. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask you to be present now. Transform our hearts and minds. Open us up. Help us to understand your word and, and all of the things that uh, tonight represents. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Uh, so the, the purpose of tonight um, in, in this message and this sermon is uh, we have to have tonight and we have to understand the events and the things and we have to live through those uh, so that we have the glorious hope of Sunday. That doesn't happen without tonight. We don't have the redemption and the hope that Sunday brings, that Easter brings without tonight. There's no resurrection without the cross. And this also isn't an attempt to play on emotions tonight. I know the lights and the worship and this message, uh, this isn't an attempt to make, to, to play on our emotions and make us feel guilty or make us feel a, a certain way. This is just a raw reflection on the cross and what it means for us as Christians. I want to look at the significance, the severity, the power of the cross this is a very intimate experience. This is very personal for each and every one of us, our, our own relationship with Christ. And it, it creates a very vulnerable atmosphere. And hopefully we recognize and leave here with a, a deep, deep, deep adoration and love for the cross. So I, I think it, uh, we can best start by throwing ourselves into the situation. And that is uh, the events that the kids have read for us um, in Matthew. I think uh, I found it, it, it can be easy to be on the outside looking in at these events in Matthew, um, such as the betrayal of Judas, um, that dinner, leading him to the cross, the mockery, all of, all of the things that have taken place as Jesus Christ is being led to the cross. Uh, and it's easy for us to be on the outside looking in and saying, surely I would never deny Jesus. If he was standing right there before me, I would never I could never do what the disciples did. I could never be Peter denying Christ three times in this, in this situation. When, when Jesus tells him these things are going to happen, surely I would never deny Christ. 
but how often do we actually do this on a regular basis? How often do, are we so easily influenced by the powers of the world, by the, the evil spirits, that we are just, we're tugged and led away from cross, whether it's uh, idolizing worldly things or, or not taming our tongues or bitterness towards uh, a loved one, a spouse, all of these things are, are, are things that we, we deny Christ. And we, we do this after the resurrection. So we are in, in no better circumstance. We actually have the resurrection. It has happened, and, and we still deny cross. So we are not outside of these things. We are certainly not on the outside looking in at these events. We are right there with these, uh, with these people, with the Jews and the Gentiles, with the disciples leading, cross, or leading Christ to the cross. Um, there, there is nobody that is outside sin. In Isaiah 53, 6, uh, all... We, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us has been exposed to sin and, and falls short. And we are, all have sinned. There's not one single person outside of this. Again, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, just as... Uh, through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. And again, uh, we're Todd's going to be preaching soon out of Ephesians chapter 2. And he made you alive, you who are dead in trespasses and sin. And once you, which walked in, and once you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who works now in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We all have sin. It is absolutely my sin, our sin, that nailed Christ to the cross. This is very, this is personal for us. It is very, very personal, and we are not on the outside of this looking in. We all desperately, desperately need the cross. And so this, this is an, uh, an open invitation now, especially tonight, and always. And we're also, we're, we're not called to live in this guilt. We're not called to live under this and, and just bring this, this pity and this sorrow upon ourselves. We are called to the man of the cross. And uh, we actually can, and we can, we can start to wrestle with uh, the, the cross now and, and what it means and, and why the cross and why this is the, the plan. Um, but first, we, we kind of have to understand God's righteous judgment and his wrath. So God is perfectly just and he must execute judgment. He has no tolerance of sin whatsoever. He can't, he can't even be in the same room as, as sin. He cannot, it is not within his being. And um, he has to execute judgment. When he recognizes sin, he has to do something about it. So that sin in our lives, that those things that we do, it has to be dealt with. And man will constantly fall short of, of, of anything to atone for that sin. Um, when I was uh, student teaching in Costa Rica, I lived down there for a couple months. And uh, I, I remember I was on a bus ride um, with a buddy and we were, we were going somewhere like two hours or so away. So we 
we were pretty minimal when we were traveling around down there. We were traveling by bus, so I had all of my things packed into a book bag, and we just kind of threw it on one of those big Anderson coach-looking buses. So as we're, uh, we're driving along, um, all of a sudden, I, I had kind of dozed off. It was in the middle of the day, but I kind of dozed off. There's this just obnoxious commotion going on. So I start, uh, start getting my bearings, and I don't speak Spanish. I was becoming somewhat, I could do a little bit, but especially when native tongues are speaking the language, it's really fast, and you have no idea what's going on. So there was this huge commotion going on. There's a ton of Spanish happening. My buddy was, uh, he was Mexican and very, uh, he was an AP Spanish teacher, so he knew what was going on. So I look at him, and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, oh, somebody's bag just got stolen. This guy tried to run, which is a very common thing. That if, I didn't know it at the time, but somebody's bag had gotten stolen. Some guy was just get on the bus, take the bag, and just get off at the next stop. I was like, oh, man, that really stinks for that guy. Like, I, I, felt, I felt horrible. I felt, yeah, I just like, man, that is, that's a rough day. And then they're trying to figure out, like, whose bag. They actually caught the guys running off the, the bus. They caught him. They grabbed him by the bag, and they yanked him back. And uh, they're, they're trying to figure out whose it was. And somebody, and my friend, he's like, hey, I, I think it was your bag. So I go up. I look. like, oh, no, it's not mine. Well, he tried to hide it, like, in, in a bag. So it turned out being mine. So I was the guy I felt bad for. But immediately, as soon as I got back to my seat, I kind of, I tucked my head, and I felt absolutely disgusted. I felt so, like, I was embarrassed. I was, I was miles away from any kind of family. I felt so naked and so like just exposed. I was just so vulnerable. And then this, something came over. I immediately flipped a switch and I just felt, it was like a vengeful. I felt, I felt like I, I wanted justice. It's like, I'm just replaying the episode and like in my mind, I was like, man, if I was just paying attention, I was just like, yank that guy. And I didn't want to beat him up or anything. I just wanted him to feel guilty. And, and where I'm going with this is this is how God deals with executing his judgment. I was helpless. I was not able to execute that judgment, although I really wanted to. God has that right. He can deal with those iniquities. He can deal with that wrong, and he does. Uh, and, and so sin has to be paid for. God is not a being where he's just going to sit back and relax and let himself be wronged and not have atonement for sin. Uh, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. He also says in, in Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed for, appointed for men to die once, but after this is the judgment. God will absolutely deal with sin. And the way that he does that is, is through death. So we are, we are condemned and hell-bound without the cross. We are under the wrath of sin. God, uh, I, I heard that, it's not that he must deal with sin, it's that he can. And in his being and nature, he does. He does deal with it. And for us, he does this through the cross. And this is, uh, this is where things I, I noticed have really started to become overwhelming for me as I was studying and meditating on these things. Um, Todd has been in preaching through Ephesians and uh, has referenced several times. There was a plan from the beginning and all of these things have, have taken place according to that plan, and, and nothing is happening outside of God's will. And these are things that we can't even begin to fathom the magnitude. We can't even wrestle with the power, the wrath, and the love behind the cross. And so we, start, we can start to look at the identity and the, the relationship of the Father and Son, and how they were, 
they were in perfect love and oneness from the beginning of time. They were in, in absolute oneness. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And in just in their very nature, this is, this is something that was executed from the very beginning of time. The cross was the plan from the beginning of time. In John 1, verses 1 through 3, John says, In the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without nothing was made that was made. Again, in John chapter 5, verse 20, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. So the Father has a very, there's a very deep affection that we can't even understand. Uh, we're made in the image of God, and so we can understand love, and we can, we can under, and wrestle with some of, these, uh, some of these things and these attributes, but to the, we, don't, we, we can't fully grasp the depth. And the Trinity alone is a mystery that we are just, in our human capacity, just not built to understand. But we do know that Christ and God were together in the beginning, and this plan was set to take place from the beginning. And uh, God actually reveals himself through his Son, and that's in, in, in Colossians verse one through 15, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. God and, and Christ was uh, there in the beginning. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So it's a look at who we're talking about here. We're talking about the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, um, Todd also referenced the other uh, last Sunday of just how massive the, the universe can be and how God holds these things in his hand, how Christ holds the universe, the foundation of the universe in his hands. That's who we're talking about here. That is the Father and the Son that executed the cross. Um, and these things have taken place from the beginning of time. That is when this plan was set in motion. So uh, I, I actually realized while I was writing this sermon, um, I, I, was, I'm, I was super excited to write it, and I, and I praise God that I'm, I'm able to stand up here and preach, but I get a certain pit in my stomach when I have something, and I know looming isn't the right word, but when I have something that I'm looking forward to with a certain amount of anxiety or a certain amount of like uh, anxiousness or, or nervousness, and... Um, and, and I think we've all experienced something like that, where we have something coming at the end of the week, and we're just like, oh, just I need to get to there. Like, I can't see past that at all. And we, and, and we, we get anxious about that. We, we worry about it, and we're constantly thinking about it, and it kind of distracts us from everything going on. But Christ does this from the beginning of time. This is something that was set in motion before the foundation of the earth. Christ has the cross knowing, coming to the world for sinners, and he knows this, and he is, is still just 100% on board at all times in perfect harmony and sync with the Father. And both Christ the Father have this sort of 
th this looming over them, this knowing that this is coming, both of them have to look and, and know that the, the cross and uh, what is going to happen on the cross is coming. And that's where it all, it, it culminates. It culminates to the cross. And uh, I was just, I was really overcome with imagining Christ approaching the cross. You know, for all of, uh, throughout the entire Old Testament and, and uh, while he's doing his ministry and preaching and teaching, he's wrestling with knowing that the cross is coming. But in these, the last few days as he's approaching the cross, where we're at now, the, the Thursday and Friday before, just going through that betrayal and mockery, that's like absolutely nothing compared to what he is probably experiencing internally. What's really happening is, is he's being completely abandoned and cut off from the, the Father. The only being that he has any kind of similarity to or any kind of uh, deep, deep connection, he's being completely abandoned. This is the first and only time in eternity that the son experiences this cut off and this lack of oneness from the father. And not only that, the father is pouring out his wrath on the son. We can look at Gethsemane and, and where Jesus is saying, oh, my father, if this is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as your will, not as I will, but as you will. I mean, look at this deep, deep connection, but we're starting to see this abandonment. We're starting to see the father and son at do, do uh, undertake this, the burden and then the wrath of sin for us. Um, in Matthew 27, verses 45 to 46, which is um, one of the verses that the, the kids read. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, so this is at the, the middle of the day, um, there was darkness over all of the land. And this is God's wrath being poured out. It's, it's shattering the, the laws of nature, the universe, and, and we're, we're seeing darkness in the middle of the day. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried up with a voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, how have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ, the Father and Son, in perfect union and, and harmony are, are completely broken. They're shattered and, and, and taking on the wrath of God for us. Just imagine the Father having, I mean, some of us have kids or, or some of us, uh, we all have been kids, but we just imagine experiencing that wrath or imagine being the one to put that wrath on a child and a, and a totally innocent child, that, that wrath. It's just unspeakable. It's, it's unfathomable. Christ being completely broken, his wrath being poured out. In verse 50, it said, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. I mean, look, we have to just, I don't know, present it like, look at the cross. This is incredibly uh, just an, an insane act of love the single greatest act of love that humanity has ever and will ever experience. The son, the perfect son, experiencing the father's wrath for us. Uh, after Jesus' de death, verses 51 through 54, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, and rocks were split and graves were opened. Many bodies of saints who'd fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those who 
Those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God. We recognize, the world recognizes, and is just in an absolute state of awe of what has happened. God pouring out his perfect and righteous judgment on a totally un, uh, totally innocent and, and undeserving son. And again, this happened for us. This is how much you are loved. This is how much we are loved. We deserve that sin. We deserve to be on the cross. Yet the perfect son from the beginning of time bears that wrath for us so that we can be presented righteous before God. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. In uh, in First Peter, uh, chapter three, verse eighteen, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put in the death, in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So these are these these events were to take place just so that we could have we could be at righteousness for God, so we can come to the cross on this Friday that we can see the cross, that we can see our perfect Savior, uh, Christ, who we love so much, that, and we can just look at him with deep, deep adoration, knowing that he took on this burden, he took on my sin, even though I was the one nailing him there to the cross, that he took those things on for you and I, so that we could just be righteous before God, so that we could be with him in heaven. Um, someday, we will need to give an account before God. We will be standing uh, before God and be asked why, uh, why should we be let into the kingdom or why should we be a part of this kingdom? And our only response to that is, is going to be, we, we don't. I have sinned. I fall short every single day. I fall short as my duties as a husband, as a father, I fall short in, in loving one another. I fall short in, in denying Christ. I don't stand up uh, and, and say things when I should. I, I, I do so many. I idolize things that I shouldn't, and every single day I fall short, and I did fall short. But then Christ is going to step in, in before we receive that wrath from God and show us his hands. He's going to show us his hands pierced, and he's going to say, not this one. He's mine. He's, uh, he is righteous. He belongs to me. I paid the price. And so how do we not respond to that with the, the deepest, deepest love? Um, it, it's just overwhelming. This, this is the Christian faith here. We look at the, the cross, and that, that, is what our, that is our foundation. Tonight is our foundation. That is where all of everything we do, how we carry out ourselves, that, this is where it is supposed to come from. It's supposed to come from the deep, deep love of the cross and what happened on that night. So I'm hoping that uh, as we leave here tonight that we can spend some time, that we can reflect on the cross and its, its significance, 
and its power and its love, what it means for us, that we can give him praise. And I also, I want to encourage us to, especially tonight and other nights, but get, have some time to get alone with God. Look at our relationship with Christ. Look at the cross. Go to the foot of the cross tonight and, and have a conversation with God. Look at our relationship with him and, and what it means and, and, and just praise him. Just get alone with God. We are deeply loved, and we're called to live like it. We should love him because of how much he loves us. Our love should just emanate out of us and overflow because of what he did on the cross tonight. We should praise him boldly in all things we do. We should be the same person that leaves here tonight and every single Sunday. We should be that same person in the office Monday morning. Every time we pick up a hammer, every time we, we engage with somebody outside of this building, we should be the same exact person with that, the love of the cross just flowing out through us in all things. We should be the same person, and the mark of the Christian should be on us. Uh, I, I want to I leave you with this, which is a, uh, some lyrics to uh, a worship song that I've pretty much listened to every day this week and uh, weeped every time. I, I listened to it on the way to work. Uh, it says, Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me, and now my soul cries out, Hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we are so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for you, and, and you're just, your unending and relentless love for us. God, we're so thankful that you're a righteous and just God. We're so thankful that your son came and, and bore our sins for us, and, and now he calls us our own. God, thank you for this deep, deep love, this love that we can't even fathom. I pray that we leave here with a boldness uh, to, to love you and to reflect on the cross and, and to dig deeper in our relationship with you. God, you are so good. And, and we love you and praise you in all of these things. In the Son's name we pray.